sponsored by Capital Access Alliance. Good morning, everyone. I'm Playbook Deputy Editor Zach Stanton. It is Friday, July 21st, and the big story in Washington today continues to be the fallout from Playbook's mega scoop that Trump world is furious at House Speaker Kevin McCarthy for not following through on a promise they say he made to former President Donald Trump. That promise is that he would hold a vote to expunge Trump's impeachments and that he would hold that vote ahead of August recess. There are some new developments, and joining me to discuss them is the one and only Rachel Bade, who blew the story wide open yesterday and has been working the phones ever since. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning. So Kevin McCarthy yesterday denied having a deal with Trump. How is that going over in Trump world? Zach, not well, as you can imagine. But before I get to Trump world, I think it's important to sort of digest what McCarthy said yesterday. You know, he said, quote, I don't have a deal. And the word choice was particularly interesting. And I talked to someone in Trump world who was like, deal? Deal what? That doesn't even make sense. It wasn't a deal. It was a promise, not a deal. So It seems that McCarthy is trying to sort of select his language very carefully right now so he doesn't anger Trump. Trump world is still very much adamant that he made this promise, even though he's sort of downplaying that he did publicly. And McCarthy has a lot of members who are very angry with him right now. And that is why he's sort of been pushing back on this story. We saw a lot of moderate Republicans come out yesterday and say publicly on the record that they thought this was a bad idea. Privately, a lot of them, frankly, think what Trump did on January 6th was wrong. But the reason they're giving publicly is that Trump was acquitted in the Senate. So what's there to expunge? It's actually quite an interesting argument. But none of them want to take this vote. And there's questions about whether they can do it even constitutionally. And because of that, McCarthy is getting heat from his own members, and he's trying to walk this very delicate line. So before we publish this, I know from you and I obviously talked about it, and we knew this was going to be a big story. It was a big scoop. What, if anything, has surprised you about the reaction that we've seen so far on Capitol Hill? You know, I think the fact that some of these members who privately were not thrilled with this idea have been willing to come out on record to say they think it's a bad idea to hold this vote, even though they know Trump wants it. That has been surprising to me. I mean, even members who don't like Trump, a lot of them don't want to be seen as going against him. And so to sort of push back on that publicly, it's pretty telling. Uh, I do think a lot of Republicans don't want him to be the nominee. And perhaps some of that criticism is starting to seep out now that we haven't seen in the past few years. I also think it's really interesting that some Republicans seem to have caught on to the way McCarthy sort of handles these situations. Like, I've talked to folks in the House who said, oh, you know, this is typical McCarthy. He's telling Trump one thing, he's telling his members the other. It's just sort of understood. Mm. And I don't know what that means in terms of being a leader, uh, the Speaker of the House, and in terms of his credibility, but it's sort of just a strategy that people have sort of come to accept that McCarthy's going to tell someone one thing, in this case, Donald Trump one thing, but, you know, he's going to help he forgets about it and just sort of move on and not make his members do it. So, I mean, I just found that particularly striking. So in terms of the delicate dance between Kevin McCarthy and Donald Trump, what should we be watching for on that front in the coming days? I think we should watch what Trump says. I mean, frankly, after McCarthy 
came out yesterday and downplayed that he made this promise. The follow-up question for Trump is, what's your take on that? I can tell you right away when McCarthy said that I was sending, you know, videos of that clip to folks in Trump world and saying, okay, what do you make of this? And the universal response was that it's BS, that he said that, and they're going to hold him to this promise. So I am curious to see what Trump does with this in the coming days. I mean, he's going to be doing media appearances at some point, and I imagine he's going to be asked about this. We'll see if he's sort of forgiving or if he says, no, McCarthy made me a promise and I expect him to stick with it. Well, it'll certainly be one to watch. Thanks so much, Rachel. Of course. Thank you. A couple other stories we have our eyes on today. First, on the Hill, after a few months of relative quiet, the on-again, off-again standoff between, on the one hand, two famous senators from the center of the political spectrum, that being, of course, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, and on the other hand, the more liberal wing of the Democratic Party coalition, that standoff is back on, especially now that Manchin and Sinema are actively sinking the nomination of Biden's choice to be Secretary of Labor, Julie Sue. Burgess Everett has a good story up about that this morning, in which Senator Bernie Sanders, who is one of Julie Sue's biggest champions on Capitol Hill, sort of slammed Sinema and Manchin as, and this is a quote, two corporate Democrats who receive a lot of money from the corporate world who do not want an advocate who is going to stand up for workers. It's disappointing. I think it's sad. I should note as a caveat here, Kirsten Sinema is actually not a Democrat. She is an independent who was a Democrat up until last December and then switched her party affiliation. The other story that I really have my eyes on is out on the campaign trail where the DeSantis reboot continues. NBC reports that DeSantis's campaign is altering its strategy and that among other things, you can expect the governor to start talking a lot less about Florida and more about the nation as a whole, which I suppose is a sign that though Florida may be where woke goes to die. Iowa is where presidential campaigns go to die. And unless he changes his strategy, we're looking at potentially a campaign that is all revved up with nowhere to go. The Des Moines Register reports that DeSantis allies are really ramping up their efforts in Iowa and never back down. His super PAC has a number of facts at the ready about the efforts that they're taking in the state. They already have 21 full-time staffers in Iowa. They've knocked on 200,000 doors in the state, and they bragged that within weeks, they will have hit every target voter in Iowa at least once, which is a pretty substantial sprint out organizationally, at least this early in the campaign cycle. So keep your eye on that and keep your eye on the ongoing reboot. And for your schedule today, the Senate is in, the House is out. I'm Zach Stanton. Thanks for listening. Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport is the only airport in the country that is subject to a federally imposed perimeter rule, which limits flight options, stifles competition, increases costs, and forces travelers to waste countless hours on unnecessary connecting flights. DCA has the capacity to offer travelers more choices at lower prices near and far. Get the facts at CapitalAccessAlliance.com.